0: out there podcast land you Dahl, once again to combat sports with Rhino. today is episode 87 holy smokes I can't believe we're this far into it but we are and let's go ahead and get rocking and rolling today's episode before so I do not bury the lead is my man AJ Fletcher now you may not know that name if you're not in the uh, beautiful state of Louisiana but you'll be knowing him very soon on August 31st he will be fighting for the Dana White contender series he's going to give himself a contract he fights on the gladiator MMA which we all know we talk about Fightville we talk about Dustin Poirier. We talk about his career. We talk about his upcoming opponent. It is a great interview, so stick around and check that out. So this week's episode is going to have our entire UFC 265 breakdown. We'll include later on Drea's drop of the night, picks for the co-main and main event of next week's Bellator 264, Q&A sesh with some members of the Rhino gang, and then the aforementioned The Ghost. AJ Fletcher is going to go 10 rounds of Rhino. So let's go ahead and get our swim trucks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in our first fight from last night's UFC 265 from Houston was in the 135 pound division. We had Johnny Munoz Jr. versus Jamie Simmons. They both played it really safe at at distance for almost the entirety of the first round. Right, uh, Munoz got a late Munoz got a late takedown, but the first round was pretty uneventful. Uh, then in the second. Munoz was able to get uh, a takedown, get get the back, get the hooks in, slapped on the RNC, got the rear naked choke in the second round for Johnny Munoz Jr. over Jamie Simmons. Rear naked choke in the second. Moving in to 125 pounds, we had Melissa Gatto versus Victoria Leonardo. Uh, Gatto initiated the clinch early, got the takedown. Leonardo very, very impressively reversed it. Then they reversed it again. So there was lots of scrambles on the, on the ground in the first round. Not a ton of striking. In the second, Gato seemed to open up a little bit, was landing. Victoria landed a couple of herself, but Gato was really seeming to land more and crisper and cleaner. Uh, in between rounds, you know, actually like the last 30 seconds ago in the second round, G- uh, Leonardo was shaking out her right arm, and I don't know exactly what was going on, but in between rounds, they brought the doctor in. The doctor said he felt the break, so she had a broken arm. So Victoria Leonardo got you know essentially disqualified. It was a TKO win. Uh, by via doctor stoppage for Melissa Gatto in between rounds two and three. So, yeah, I don't know. We, did, we We weren't exactly sure when it happened or how it happened, but the long story short is Victoria has a broken arm, so Gatto gets the big win. Moving into 135 pounds, we had Miles John, Johns versus Anderson Dos Santos. You think with a name like Anderson Dos Santos with all the great guys who had both or parts of those names, he he would have been the better leg kicker and striker. Not the case. Miles Johns was landing huge leg kicks early. Some nice crisp punches. Anderson's leg got compromised real early. Had a very hard time walking on it, balancing on it. He kept trying to move forward to give him his due, but man, he barely hung on. Uh, when we got later, <laughs> a little bit later into the third round. Real early, Miles John threw a beautiful left hook to the body, followed with a right hook to the face. Crack Anderson Dos Santos right on the chin, put him down and out. What a shot. I think we might be looking at Dream's drop of the night. I'm not 100% sure yet, but I think it's early from her. So big win for Miles Johns in that one. Moving back down to 125 pounds, we had Manuel Cop versus Ode Osborne. We didn't have to do much with this, right? They pretty much stayed away from each other uh, for about the first four and a half minutes, and then out of nowhere, Manel Cop threw a beautiful flying knee, which put Ode Osborne down. Um, jumped on top, hit a couple more with a little bit of quick ground and pound, but man, Manel Cop, the, uh, the I mean, what a flying knee! Flying knees are one of my favorite techniques that we ever see in the octagon. And gosh, was that beautiful! Big win for him. Moving into one of the first bummers of me for the night with Carolina Kobolkiewicz versus Jessica Penne. uh Jessica Penne looked better than I think she's looked in a long time, if not ever. Um, she was looking crisp on the feet when they went to the ground. She was very strong on top of Carolina. She stood up and was landing some shots from like the standing while Carolina was on her back. When it went back down to the ground, they kind of rolled over a couple times. Uh, Jessica Penney started going for the. Uh, started going for the arm bar and really pried it loose eventually, got her in the arm bar. Yeah, that was it for Carolina Kolokievic, submission in the first round arm bar for Jessica Pene. So I got a couple questions that involve Carolina Kovalkevic later. So make sure you guys listen for that a little bit later on in the show. Moving into Alonzo Menefield versus Ed fuse Herman, the longtime veteran in 205-pound division. Speaking of leg kicks and compromised legs, holy smokes. Alonzo Menafield really kicked out Ed Herman's legs, really hurt him. Moving on uh, to later, Alonzo had a nice takedown, had some good top control of red herman. Ed Ed's leg was shot. You know, given him his due for the doctor coming in. he could have he could have played it up like he we you know couldn't continue, but he, he like a true veteran. he did. Alonzo Menafield man, between the kicks and the punches and the uh, and, and the toughness show by Ed herman, put on put on a good fight, big clear cut. You didn't have a decision for Alonzo Menafield in that one. Moving back down, one hundred thirty-five pounds. We had Draco Rodriguez versus uh, Vince Morales. They talked about this last night on the program. I mean, on the uh, commentary, and I had to agree. It felt a lot more like a sparring, you know, a couple, few rounds of sparring than did an actual fight. There didn't seem to be any sense of urgency. There wasn't a ton of like grit or like grime or like unction thrown on those punches and kicks. It really wasn't. It was kind of like I'll hit you a couple times, you hit me a couple times. Rodriguez' jab was really. Early was his nice weapon, but then from that point, Vince was moving forward more. He was landing a little bit more. Again, not the most exciting or entertaining fight uh, between Draco Rodriguez and Vince Morales. Morales gets the UD in that one. Moving into our uh, feature prelim, we had Rafael Fiziev versus Bobby Green. Okay, I, I got some beef with this. <laughs> okay, so Fiziev, we've all looked at, or Fiziev, um, we, we've all looked at as what a top-tier striker. Very exciting guy. It was a really fun fight. They both had their moments of Fazeev uh, with the leg kicks and the punches. Bobby Green rolling a lot, getting getting out of the way. He did get hurt a couple times from a couple right hands, but for the most part, they stood in front of each other. They both threw legs they threw kicks. I thought Fazeev got the first two rounds. I mean, I, they were close, but for me, they were pretty clear cut. In the third, Bobby Green not only hurt Fazeev a few times, but was the aggressor, outlanded him, and looked fantastic doing it yet thanks to the texas commission somehow uh we we had somebody saying it was 30 27 for fazeev so fazeev got the unanimous decision but it should have been 29 28 across the board at you know the the fact that somebody gave him all three rounds it just it's another glaring example of horrible judging in that state bobby green deserved to have that round be in his favor he clearly cut won it. it pisses me off to no end that we keep having to go over this I'm fine with Fazeev winning. He should have won to me. I had him in the first two rounds, but gosh, Bobby Green won that third round. He needs to be recognized as doing so. So, Okay, let's move into the main card, folks. We have our first fight being 135 pounds with Casey Kenny versus Song Yadong. Let the jokes rain in. We're Song Yadong. We had a lot of them going in the group chat last night, but... Casey Kenny, you know, both guys are throwing but not landing much early. Songgy Dong's takedown defense was top tier in this fight. You know, Casey Kenny tried a lot. Songgy Dong shucked him off left, right, and center. Um, he had a he had a sub attempt late in the first round for Casey Kenny, but to no avail. Some nice combos from Songy Dong in the second. Again, his takedown defense was really really good. And then in the third, Casey seemed to be slowing down a little bit. Uh, Songy Dong got some clinching, got some quick strikes. Uh, he had some more great takedown defense. It landed a lot of beautiful body shots. I think that was maybe like the underlying factor for most of the fight. Was Songy Dong had a lot of really good crisp body shots throughout that one. Somehow it was a split decision. I gave Songy Dong. The fight, to me, clear-cut UD, but yeah, split decision for Songgy Dong over Casey Kenny. Again, we're just going to go back to at least the right guy won, right? <laughs> so, big win for Songgy Dong over Casey Kenny. Moving in to 115 pounds, we had Angela Hill versus Tisha, the tiny tornado Torres. Tisha came out real aggressive, very ty- tiny tornado-esque, right? She was landing shots. She was throwing some spinning techniques. Angela got a takedown. Both landed some head kicks. Uh Angela was throwing some very nice uppercuts. They were hitting Tisha on her way in. Um she Angela got her um uh, Angela got her back kind of against the cage, but wasn't able to secure a takedown It wasn't really able to uh get back from that position, which I thought was a big a big big mistake, a big slip up, right? Like when you get somebody against the cage and you're halfway on their back, you gotta be able to take them down. And she wasn't able to. Tisha Torres kept pushing forward. I thought in the third round, Angela Hill clearly won the third. So very similar to the Bobby Green fight. I thought Angela Hill very clearly won the third round. But the first two went to Tisha Torres. She gets the unanimous decision over Angela Hill, uh, which was a great fight. It was a very fun back and forth fight. Very, uh, you know, kudos to both ladies. Badass, awesome fight. Moving at 170 pounds, we had Michael Chiesa versus Vincente Luque. Uh, this one was a lot of scra- – you don't want to talk about scrambles, man. Jeez, I'm crow. These guys were just rolling around, flipping each over, uh, flipping over each other, reversing the situation. It was, it was impressive. It was fun. It was cool. And then Vincente Luque rolled over, reverses, got the back. Dude, the sub with a dark choke in round one for Vincente Luque over Michael Chiesa. Very quick fight, but very fun on the ground. If you enjoy the ground fight like we all do. Moving into 135 pounds, our co-main event. Longtime 145 pound champion, Jose Aldo continuing at 135, going in there against Pedro Munoz. This one was, it took Aldo a little while to get going, right? But once he did, he was almost vintage Aldo. I talked about this in the group chat last night. That third round of Aldo really was WECS. I mean, he looks so beautiful, really hard leg kicks, crisp, straight punches. He was cutting hard angles. Pedro Munoz is a game guy. Very good fighter. I had his moments as well, but dude, Jose Aldo looked beautiful. Again, his body shots were landing so hard. It really took the win out of Pedro Munoz, I think. 30 27 times three. Jose Aldo gets the big unanimous decision in that one. Oh boy, then moving into the interim heavyweight championship. And again, we're not going to get into all of the other outside stories about it. Obviously, I've said my piece. Francis Ngani is the heavyweight champion. There's, there was no need for this to be an interim belt, but this is what happened. Uh, Derek Lewis looked great physically, but when Cyril Gaon gets in the cage with somebody, he he turns it on to the point where we don't see very many heavyweights who have the skill set that he does, how light he is on his feet, his management of distance, his ability to hit and not get hit, uh, how calm he is for being very young in his career. And I know he's got a lot of kickboxing fights, but he has a stoic presence in there that you don't hardly often see. Very very, very uh in- incredibly talented young man in Cyril Gon. Derek Lewis looked a step slower. He was getting he was getting lit up a little bit more. than in the uh in the third round, Cyril heard him, put him against the cage. He kind of fought back. Cyril heard him again, uh got on top for the GMP finish. So yeah, Cyril Gone is our new interim heavyweight champion of the UFC. Uh, by gmp stoppage in the third round of Derek lewis so that my friends was the quick recap of ufc 265 we're going to go ahead and get in drea a call here so we can get drea's world famous drop of the night okay fight fam now let going get into our one of our most favorite segments on the show drea's world famous drop, drea! drop of the night drea what do you got this week my friend
1: my drop of the night comes from last night's UFC early prelims, uh, Manel Cop versus Ode Osborne. At the tail end of the first round, Manel Cape throws a flying knee that lands perfectly to Osborne's face, and it dropped him. cop. Uh, then immediately started with the ground and pound, uh, and the ref stopped it a little bit early, in my opinion. Uh, he did kind of throw a bit of a fit um, you know, after it was stopped. But either way, it was an amazing knee, a beautiful drop. So... My Dre's drop of the night goes to Manel Cop.
0: So I didn't know if it was going to end up going to Manel Cop or to Miles Johns for that beautiful left hook to the body, overhand right combo uh, on Dos Santos. So either one is a great drop of the night. So we have knocked that part out. So we don't have a UFC next weekend, um, but I'll just go over real quick. I got my picks for um, uh, for the main and co-main event from Bellator 264. So my first pick is going to be, well, obviously, it's Rafion Stats versus Magomed Magomedov. I got to go stick with my Rhino gang homie, Rafion Superstats. I've got him winning a unanimous decision over Magomed, Magomed-, Mag- oh my goodness. Magomed- Magomedov <laughs> at 135 pounds. And then in the main event, the 185-pound Bellator belt is on the line at middleweight. We've got Gegard Mousasi versus John Salter. I've got Gegard Mousasi. And I'm picking him to win, Dre. I'm picking him to win by third round TKO due to punches. All right. Now, Dre, speaking of picks, we all love to make them. But let's be real for a second. The sport of MMA is unpredictable. If anyone says they know for sure how a fight is going to go, they're either lying or delusional. Many of the best fights in history are the ones where the unexpected happens. And the unexpected happens all the time. No Pick'em or Prediction app accounts for this unpredictability or even allows the forecast to acknowledge that uncertainty is a real thing until now. Fight Forecaster has come along. Fight Forecaster rewards its users for being precise in their predictions. You get the most points for picking the round, winner, and method, a decent amount of points for picking just the winner and method, and a small amount of points for picking just the winner. How confident and precise you want to be is completely up to you. Let's be honest, even the most hardcore fans don't know everything about every fighter. Don't we want to be a little safer in making our predictions? I know I do. With Fight Forecaster, you can guarantee yourself points if you play it smart, whether you know the fighter or not, but of course, it's always better if you do. The app is available on the App Store and Play Store It is absolutely free. If at some point you have any questions, suggestions, or concerns, you can DM the man in charge of Fight Forecaster, Ashwin, at O-M-N-I-S-H-W-I-N on Twitter directly, and he will do his absolute best to help you out. So absolutely check out the Fight Forecaster app, Combat Sports with Rhinos, proud sponsor. All right, let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions here. Uh, And our first one goes to my big homie, Dean Dog. What do you got, Dean? Do you think that Dana
1: created the heavyweight interim belt for this fight or a way <clears throat> to get the belt around Jones or Stipe's waist to build up the unification fight?
0: So I think it was just for this interim because I think he loves the idea of the uh, Gan versus Ngannou thing, and maybe that will force Francis to relent for whatever behind-the-scenes things are going on right now, which you know, which is why there was the terms to begin with i do and i am sure of this by the way that at some point the ufc brass date and everybody included sean shelby have been back there being like you know what would be really great is if Gon and in fight and then whoever wins wins the winner between john and Stepe, should that fight actually happen again i'm skeptical that john jones and stipe are actually going to fight but if it does happen that's uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty high level that's a pretty heavy star power that's a pretty uh enticing fight to want to watch, right? The winner of Gone and Iganu and then the versus the winner of John Jones's deep. Yeah, that's something you could really, really sell. So I think that's what's gonna probably end up happening, right? But I do think the interim belt was just because there is this beef with Nganu behind the scenes that we don't know about. So that's why they made the Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gunn fight an interim belt. So thank you very much, Dean Dog. I hope you're doing well out there, my brother all righty, Drea. I know our next one comes from the Tie the Fly Guy. What do you got this week, dude?
1: Where does Carolina go from here? She's lost seven of nine since starting 10-0. I remember her saying she wanted to start a family soon. She'll be 36 in October, so I assume that might be the deciding factor. But let me know what you think.
0: So, homie, I think the only course of action is if she really wants to keep fighting, is to go back to KSW, right? I, I think that's kind of... It's almost a no-brainer, you know? It, it's uh, The UFC is no longer the place for her. Uh, she came in hot, obviously, and doing really well, and then it has just been a nightmare of, of her last almost 10 fights. The The thing about her is I really like her. I like her personality. I think she's a talented fighter. I think just the the talent level has surpassed her as far as what the UFC has in the division. I also think that she, you may be right. She may be kind of one foot in one foot out. So I hope she really takes some time with her team and her family and decides what she wants to do. If she does again, if she does want to keep fighting, I think KSW is the right place for her. Um, Yeah. So that's what I would like to see for Carolina Kovalkiewicz, you know, and I hope she chooses wisely and is happy with whatever choice that she makes. And I, I definitely, I'm a fan of hers and support her either way for sure. So thank you very much, Ty. I know our next one comes from the homie Raging Sweet Potato from up in Canada way. Raging Sweet Potato. What do you got this week, my dude?
1: In the history of the UFC, only two men have successfully defended their interim titles. Frank Mir, who then later unified it and was the only one to do so, and Renan Burrow who defended it multiple times until the UFC finally stripped Dominic Cruz after two years of inactivity and made Burrow the undisputed champ. Other than those two, no one has managed the feat, which is something that the UFC commentary team has failed to ever mention during a broadcast, meaning they're fully aware of the historic insignificance of interim belts. So, is it time for the UFC to be completely rid of the interim champions and instead institute a true number one contender rule where the winner is contractually guaranteed a title shot upon, upon the champ's return? Or should they <clears throat> strip inactive champions, not in Ganu in last night's instance, and simply keep the championship bouts rolling? It feels like a damned if we do, damned if we don't situation.
0: But first of all shout out for the bring up Hennin Barau. I haven't heard that name in a long time. You got to talk about a fall <laughs> from grace. Holy shit. Um but yeah, dude, it's a really hard choice. I think the lesser of the two evils is just to keep the interim championship situation the way it is now. I I do think there should be a hard in place one year rule this this I mean this is for everything this is for contractual dispute this is for injury this is for surgery this is for anything if you are a champion of the UFC in any of the divisions and you fail to defend for it a, a calendar year from the night you win it there should be an interim title put in place with the number one and the number two contender then if you know within an X amount of time you know something that they could all agree upon within an X amount of time that the winner of that interim belt the owner of the interim title would then fight the previous champion right the champion who had the belt and didn't lose it and was out forever you know for forever for whatever reason I, I have a hard time liking any of these just like you said damn if you do damn you do I, I don't like any of these options particularly but let's just stick with the one we've got in place right now because at least everyone knows how it works Um I, I, I'm sorry to sound cold or cruel if that's like, well, what, do you, what if this guy's been a champion, he's defended four times, and he blows out his ACL, and he needs a year and two months. Sorry. It's a hurt business. It's a fight business. You got to keep it fucking moving, dude. If you are stagnant in the combat sports world, you are dying. You've got to be progressing. You have got to be adapting. You've got to be moving forward. The division, the company, the promotion, everything has to be have a forward trajectory, or the whole thing's going to grind to a halt, and people are going to become disinterested. I am, uh, I am, I am looking forward to us having maybe a couple years where they're just this interim shit just stops. Like I, I just think that could theoretically happen, where we actually just have like a couple years of like there is no interim belt, everyone defends, people win, people lose, the title changes hands, the title stays where it's supposed to be, and it just the divisions keep moving. That's I'm hoping we can somehow get to that point down the line somewhere (laughs) so raise sweet potato thank you so much my good friend that was a great question my dude all right i know adre our fourth one comes from our girl app what do you got this week do
1: you think vicente Luque should fight usman next how do you see that fight going if it happens also yadong slayed last night let this be a lesson you should never bet against yadong (laughs) (laughs)
0: is <laughs> <laughs> a first part first if and when Kamaru uh, rearranges Colby Covington's face again which I'm all I, I know we both are we're hoping that he does um, and it's time for the following opponent right to 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 defend his title against. if it's Vincente Luque I'm fine with that Vincente Luque is in the top six he should he should go up at least one place by beating Michael Chiesa so he should be in the top five by next week I am totally fine with that matchup I think it's a fun and exciting matchup Unfortunately for anybody who's a big Vicente Luque fan, I think Kamara Usman is at the top of his game right now. I think there is nobody, uh you know, barring injury or something catastrophic, there's nobody beating him anytime soon. I think Vicente Luque has a lot of great tools, a very talented fighter. I like his bravado. I like a lot of things about Vicente Luque. I think Kamara Usman will push him up against the cage, smash him when they get to the ground, smash him some more. And stop Vincente Luque. Whether that would be the third, fourth, fifth round, I'm not sure. But I still think that Kamara Usman is too high level right now. He is too sharp. He is too strong. He is too everything at 170 pounds for anybody to fuck with right now. The closest person to him is probably Colby, and I hope that <laughs> that he just smashes Colby again and puts to bed any sort of uh, any any more of this baloney that Colby Covington has been spewing at us for all this time. So yeah, that's what I see if Vincente Luque and him fight. And, yes, the Song Dong jokes are not now, nor will they ever get old. I want them forever. I hope Song Dong stays in the fucking UFC for many more years because every time there are people pulling out these fantastic puns, and it makes me laugh every time. Yes, the group chat, as you know, last night, Dre, was going off with Song Dong jokes. Shout out to everybody in there. They were so funny. And, uh, yeah, definitely want to keep that one going. So thank you so much, APB. And as we know, you can't be a wuss and have a puss. We love you. All right, let's go ahead and get into our voice questions. I know our first one comes from a very tired, homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got this week, dude?
2: What's up, Combat Sports with Rhino fans? This is Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. Coming at you live from Houston. Okay, it's not live. It's pre-recorded. But I'm in fucking Houston. Because Angela Hill gave Isha some tickets. Isha gave her other one to me. So shout out to Isha and shout out to Angela Hill. Um, I wanted to give you a bit of a scoop that you may not have seen on TV. We were in section 103. There was a fucking fight broke out, maybe five rows ahead of me. They were just fucking going at it, dude. I saw this guy with like bloodstains on his white dress shirt, like climb over some rows. And uh, at some point, everyone was like, he's passed out. He's passed out. Get somebody. He's passed out. But I actually want to talk to you about this is juice again. Friendly Sparring Podcast. I actually want to talk about Carolina Kovalkiewicz. She lost to Jessica Penny last night. Best Jessica Penny's maybe ever looked, by the way. Talk about that for a second. I thought she kind of barely scraped by her last fight. Wasn't even sure she should have won on the judge's scorecards. And this one was just like total domination. So A is Jessica Penne back. Maybe the last one was just like ring rust. And where does Carolina go? Like we got to assume she's probably getting cut, right? Like five in a row. I don't know if it was five in a row and now it's six in a row. Either way, it's bad. So what are your thoughts, Rhino? Get at
0: me. Uh, oh, yeah, bro. Another thing about uh, Carolina Kovacay, which is, yes, yeah, she did get finished quickly. And, and yes, Jessica Penny looked sharp. I just I talked about a little bit with Ty guy. I just think that the UFC is no longer the right situation for Carolina Kovacay, which and I think it was. I do think it was a lot about Jessica Penny looking sharp and looking strong. But I also think a really big part of it was Carolina just doesn't have it at this level anymore. I don't know if her heart and if her head or if everything's firing on all cylinders, it just doesn't appear that way. She's lost so many in a row and so many out of her last 10. I just, I, I, I really like her and I want her to find success, you know, either at KSW or retiring from fighting and moving on to something else. So yeah, dude. And I'm glad you, uh, first of all, I'm super glad that, uh, Isha took you to, UFC last night. That's amazing. I got you the ticket for that via Angela Hill. Very, very cool stuff. I'm so glad you guys got to go. You guys look so happy in the video. I thought that was so great. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that whatever that fight was that happened in front of you happened several rows ahead and not anywhere near you because I don't I don't need my guy Juicy Fruit baby getting uh, a couple of teeth knocked out in a melee. <laughs> Although it made it for a good story, I suppose. So thank you so much, Juicy Fruit baby. All right, let's go ahead and get to our homie D-Cross from North 10 and 10 away. D-Cross, what do you got this week, dude? Hey, Rhino bro. Man, good fights. I enjoyed it. Super nice of Cyril to um, babysit Francis' belt. <laughs> I think when he fights Francis, he'll literally be gone. Um, I just wanted to uh, ask what you thought about, um, you know, when they put the stats up after the fight, the... Just all the data they put up, significant strikes. How do you even really, truly quantify what is a significant strike? Like, those groin shots, is that a significant strike? Sure looks like it to me. Anyway, I love you guys. Can't wait to listen to the show, Rhino Gang Gang. (laughs) Yes, dude. My understanding is anything that's not a jab is considered a significant strike. Um, So do I put stock into post-fight stats? Yeah, I do. I like analytics. I like seeing, you know, who landed what, where, like where on the body, how many times, so on and so forth. So I do like the analytics. But for me, dude, it's still the eye test. The eye test supersedes all. It's the most important to me right after a fight. I'm like, I think I know who won. The thing about the stats is can I back up what I thought if it supports what I thought happened? Or does it give me something that I have to debate a little bit for like, oh, fuck, I thought he or she won that fight, but they got outstruck. You know, by 34 strikes, and they only had one more takedown than their opponent. You know, stuff like that. So it really does take into account um, what happened in a fight. It kind of can justify why certain judges give to serve somebody else. But, yeah, for me, dude, the eye test always supersedes the stat line post-fight. So, thank you very much, D-Cross, my brother. Alright, oh, let's go ahead and do our girl, Gina. Gina, what do you got this week? Hey, Rhino.
1: It's just Gina MMA from the WOCast. What up? What up? What up? Listen, what do you prefer, Uh savvy, technical, wonderful with their footwork, heavyweight gun, or do you like an exciting heavyweight like Francis Ngannou or Derrick Lewis? Who do you prefer be the king of the heavyweights? What type of style do you like? I love that Gann is the new school type of fighter and he's out here with flashy footwork and fighting like a middleweight, but I ain't ready to pass the throne to him. And I want to keep seeing Derrick Lewis and Francis Ngannou knock people out in some slobber knocker fights. What's your preference? Also, keep up the good work. Have a great day, baby.
0: Oh, oh no question about it, my friend. I like the straight ahead, fucking throw till you fall heavyweight. Again, Ngannou is super impressive. His footwork is impeccable. His, his understanding of distance, his striking. I mean, there's a lot of, to really be impressed with and revere about Cyril Ngannou. But for me, a guy who was a mediocre pro heavyweight for a lot of years, someone who has been a heavyweight stand my entire life, I remember watching Tyson when I was seven years old and being, like, enamored with him in boxing, right? It has carried over into my adulthood. I am a big fan of the big guys. And the way I like to see big guys fight is get in there and throw down. I like heavyweight fights to be two rounds or under. I want you guys to go out, both guys get hurt, get rocked, be able to come back. You know, fight. I want to fight. I don't want to see, a, you know, like a beautiful display of mixed martial arts when it comes to – I like that for the smaller weight classes I do. When it comes to my boys at heavyweight, just get in there and fucking throw down. That's what I love to see the most. So that's my choice on that one. Gina, thank you so very much, my friend. If you guys haven't heard of course, check out Gina on the WOCast and Shots Fire Pod. Amazing stuff. So thank you so very much, Gina. All right. It is now time to go ahead and get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with AJ the Ghost. Right after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey. How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at k Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, Designs.com. Check out their Facebook page, K and R. Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call an order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you gotta check out K and R designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out KNR Designs, Combat Sports with Rhinos, proud sponsor. Hello, everybody out there, Fight Fam. We have got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds of rhino this week, undefeated welterweight, fighting August 31st for the Dana White Contender Series. He's going to get that contract. You know it, I know it, we all know it. The Ghost, AJ Fletcher, joins us today. Thank you so much for having time today for us, sir.
3: No problem, brother. You got me ready to
0: run my head through a brick wall after that. Fuck one. yeah, dude! That's how we do it on this show. <laughs> we are all energy all the time. So AJ, if you don't mind, bro, round one is the same for pretty much every fighter I have on. We love to hear the background story. We love to know how you first got into this crazy world of mixed martial arts, dude.
3: Yeah, so uh, so basically, I was I played sports, you know, growing up most of my life. I had uh, I had two older brothers, so I was always on the sidelines at their games and. Um, you know, when it came time for me to, to hop in, I, I took to, to football and soccer and, and baseball for a good bit as well. And, uh, you know, towards the end of, of playing sports in high school, it kind of became obvious that um, I wasn't going to get a chance to go play. My, my dream was to go play football in college somewhere. And, you know, being a little bit on the shorter side for a linebacker, maybe a little bit on the slower side as well. You, uh, you don't get too many opportunities to go do that. So, you know, right here, it, it, it kind of became obvious that, okay, well, this part, this part of your life's maybe going to come to an end so can we maybe figure out something new to to try to put that into and uh mma was just starting to i I say just starting to bud i guess just starting to kind of enter mainstream um more than it had been i guess previously and uh you know i'd always kind of been a fan of it and stuff like that and just senior year i started going to a kickboxing gym um trained for a year about about a year out there had a couple little smoker fights and then after a year of training i i Transferred colleges, moved uh, about an hour, hour and a half away, and uh, started training in MMA from there.
0: Dude, that's badass. So, your next fight at the end of this month um it's for the dana white contender series i, I know this it, it, it's something where it's like it's the bright you know the brighter lights it's bigger it, it feels like you know it's got to be feeling like your biggest fight of your career have you put something different into this camp in in preparation for this fight has something different or is this just business as usual just kind of turning the volume up a little bit maybe
3: no man i mean obviously like each each fight like it, I, I don't know. I say this. If, if, if you're doing it right, each fight you get is is always going to be the biggest fight of your life. Um, and I know that's kind of a cliche, but it's true. Like if you're winning, like each fight just progressively gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And kind of going off of that, I'm always looking to learn. I'm always looking to add like new things to my game, new things to my training routine and all of that. But Uh, really man I'm I've kind of just been doing what you know what got me to the dance I think uh I think me and my team have have developed a pretty good system and you know obviously we're always looking for new techniques um new little things to do in strength and conditioning and and new stuff like that but um like you said the lights are going to get brighter and all that but whenever it comes down to it what's happening in the cage is is what I've done for 18 fights now so I'm gonna go out there and and do me and I think that'll be uh You know, I think the way I fight is in in general is enough to to go out there and get a contract. So I'm going to do me and and see where it leads, you know.
0: Hell yeah, dude. So I'm a big fan of nicknames and we're going to get into yours a little bit later. But your opponent is Leonardo Puppy. Diamani out of italy what if anything really that's for real his nickname fight fans that's his nickname is puppy uh he is he is a fighter out of italy that's all i really know about him what do you think you know i don't know if you caught any tape on the guy but what does he really bring into the cage um as far as his you know the plus sides about him yeah man
3: leonardo is good he's a uh from what I understand and what, from what I've seen on film, he's a, he's a pretty decent boxer. Um, he's, he's a muscled-up guy kind of like myself. We'll be in there around the same height. Um, he's got kind of a boxer's movement, if that makes sense, in terms of his footwork and stuff like that. He, he likes to close that distance, and he likes to get in there and throw you know, a couple of hard shots, and, and they're usually hooks or, or whatever. But he uses that distance, and he uses that boxer's movement to get in close and put you on the cage. And uh, he likes to turn it into a fight, that's for sure. Um, as far as his wrestling and his groundwork um he's good he looks like he's got a good bit of the pieces of the puzzle but man to be honest i don't think he uh i don't think he strings them together quite like i do he's got he's not he's really good at what he does and and he uses it well versus opponents um yeah i mean he's he's got a skill set but i uh i don't know i think i've got a little bit more tools if that makes sense
0: no it completely makes sense bro the i just again i'm I'm really stumped by the name Puppy. It's really throwing me off big time, dude. Uh, As far as uh, our next question goes, oh, go ahead, dude.
3: No, same. Maybe that's what it's for. A little, uh, you know, little mind games. Maybe that's why he, why he has it.
0: <laughs> Maybe you're right. Um, Lafayette, Louisiana, where you call home, has some of the biggest names in MMA history that are either from there or trained there. Obviously, Dustin the Diamond Poirier, Daniel Cormier, Arnold, Alan Joe Ban, Liz Carmouche. Um, for those of us who are also boxing people, the Charlo twins are from, you know, from the area. What do you think <laughs> the reason is that Lafayette, Louisiana has been able to churn out such talent for the last you know 15 20 years what do you think is it about your town bro it's that swamp water bro that swamp water gets <laughs> <into> it <laughs> oh no man but i remember
3: uh i remember all the stats whenever i play football they would they would say louisiana has the the highest per capita of of people in the nfl and i think that that translates to 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 boxing and, and fight culture in general as well. Like I think the the state, the the just the kind of, of people in general in this state, it, it breeds blue collar, it breeds hard worker, it breeds it just breeds persistence, you know. And I think those are a lot of the characteristics that you have to have whether as an athlete in general and and really more so as a fighter or or a boxer or whatever you want to call it in general. Um, I think it's it's more of a reflection of of kind of how Louisiana and how how Lafayette, especially in South Louisiana is. Um, and then when you just refine that and you you put it through that pressure cooker of of mixed martial arts, it just it it breeds out in Dustin's case, it breeds out a diamond from there. You know, you have a lot of you have a lot of the coal, a lot of the rough to work with. you have that grit, and whenever you just refine that, it uh, it comes out to be something special. And I think another part of it, too, is, is we have uh, Tim Crater was my head coach was uh, Louisiana's first jiu jitsu black belt. And I think him bringing back a lot of the, the things he learned from Rodrigo Medeiros out in California and his his time in the UFC and his time traveling and getting techniques. I think he's been a big part of, of bringing up the fight culture here in general as well. Um, and to have guys like Dustin who, who carry that on, I think it's it's only just going to continue to grow.
0: I love that you brought up Crazy Tim Crater because we uh, we actually get into him a little bit later on in the the program, dude. So you've been around a long time. You're a young guy, you're a young fighter, but you've been around for a little while. You got yourself some nice experience. You got eight pro fights. You had ten or more uh, on the amateur circuit. Uh, We obviously, we're always improving. We're always sharpening up our tools. We are always getting better uh, as long as we're training, and I know you're training your ass off all the time. What do you think is the strongest part of your MMA arsenal right now as we're talking?
3: Right now, honestly, dude, it, this is going to be a maybe not the answer you're looking for, but I think it's just my ability to, to recognize patterns and, and capitalize on them. Like I, I pride myself on, on really not having a, a strong suit or a favorite part of my game what, being on the feet or on the ground or wrestling or whatever. Um, I think the, the strongest thing I bring into the cage with me is my ability to to dissect almost what my opponents do in a very, very quick manner and in a, in a manner that that makes them pay. And also understanding my own patterns and understanding um, how to break those patterns. And when I get in there, I I like to think like I'm, I'm training a dog almost it's they can defend whatever I do, but each time they defend, it's just setting up some other strike. You can't, you can't cover up all the holes. So each time somebody defends against me, I'm I'm analyzing them and seeing what opening they're leaving. And each time they move themselves, I'm seeing the counters and I'm seeing all of that. I don't know. I've I've got a a pretty complete game. I like to think whether it's on the ground and on the feet. And I think, you know, the strongest part is my ability to, to recognize what they do and, and adapt to that.
0: So those are very specific examples and will probably fall into the category of, of fight IQ, right? Sure. So it's, it's, your, it's your analytics and your on the fly assessment of what's happening in the cage and how to adjust to it. And again, I, I've told fighters, you know, I've, I've trained fighters for many years now, even when I was still fighting myself. That is one of those things that you, you can get better at. But man, if somebody really has it, they are at such a leg up on whoever their competition is because that is such an incredible, an incredibly important and strong part of your game plan and how to implement it is what's going on on the fly, how to assess, how to react, how to counter, you know, everything. So that's a great tool to have, dude. You no, know. that's absolutely the kind of answer I was looking for. So, AJ, can you tell us how you got the nickname Ghost and who gave it to you? yeah so this was probably like my
3: third amateur fight and uh we had just finished up a a pad session with with tim and uh i don't know he was getting ready to like do a a facebook post or something kind of promoting the fight saying hey if y'all need tickets reach out to aj all that stuff and he put on there unbeknownst to me he threw up aj the ghost fletcher and i'm assuming i you know still haven't 100% ass, but I think I've got a pretty good idea that it has something to do with how pasty my skin is. I uh, (laughs) don't tan very well, so I I would imagine it's got to do with that.
0: Can relate, my brother. I am super-duper pale, but I don't live in Louisiana where it's hot and sunny all the time. I'm up here in Michigan where... I can say out of the, the sun and, you know, it's, yeah, it's bad. It's bad for me too. So it really just comes from, uh, from crazy Tim Crater doing a Facebook post. I love it. Um, dude, tons of us on MMA Twitter are really, and you know, not just on MMA Twitter, but just fight fans in general around the world. We are, there's so many of us who are huge fans of the documentary Fightville Uh, obviously it features your gym gladiators Academy, your coach, crazy Tim Crater, uh, young Dustin Poirier. I mean, it just so many, like stories and subplots and it was one of the first times a lot of us and a lot of people were exposed to a documentary of that being that in depth you know what i mean of course we had um all the seasons of tough that had happened before them, but that was really the first feature-length documentary that was that in depth um as far as one gym goes and the fighters journeys you're from there tim crater is your coach does that movie have like a bigger impact on you or people who train out of there or is it just kind of like oh it's kind of in the past we're, we're, we're moving forward
3: No, dude, I think and for sure it has had a huge impact on me. And I would I would almost guarantee around, you know, with a lot of people around me as well. Um, I think the movie itself is just a part of something bigger in general, though. So what it means to me, at least, is the movie made it real. Right. You can see you have tangible evidence of, of Dustin, of Tim, of all those dudes. What was it like 10 years ago or something like that? Yeah, I think it was like 2008, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it was good that uh, before you know before all the before he was in the UFC before he was in the WEC really like you see that whole that whole rise that whole come up in that movie if, if I remember right the guy would come down here um with like three, he would come down here like I don't know once every three months for for a month or so, and and it it, it was in stages like that. So to be able to see Dustin and, and Tim and really the gym and the just the fight culture in general, the, the come up from it, it makes it real. Whenever you're somebody like me who who hasn't quite achieved that highest level yet, and for me to to look around and, and Dustin still be around here, like it, I tell this story a lot, but whenever Dustin won his interim title, smacks Holloway, like this is a guy that I've, I've gotten to, you know, put hands on with, I've, I've, I've been in the gym with as an amateur, I've, I've gotten to, I've been punched by him. I've been fortunate to accidentally land a punch on him once or twice. And <laughs> you know, it, it does something to you. Like it, it, it has a way of just completely, I don't want to say removing your doubts, but removing any excuses you might have as to why you can't become something or why you can't achieve a certain a thing whenever you see it from the ground up and you see just a an average guy an average hard dude like dustin climb his way up that ladder and you have something at the beginning that says yeah he he was a normal dude struggling driving trucks uh doing doing all these normal jobs and training on the side you you you, you have that to latch on to and, and at least for me that's been really motivational like i still watch it i don't know once every six months or so to be like yeah like it's real like just keep doing what you're doing and and you can get there too so i can only imagine it's the effect it's had on on people around me as well you know
0: oh absolutely dude i was really worried when i wrote that question i was like i was like fuck man he might be like uh it's cool (laughs) (laughs) i'm really glad you ended up being up that was that was a great answer man so uh for the eighth round with rhino dude I, i like to ask so i've i've noticed when you look at your record. You're very diverse. You finished a lot of fights a lot of different ways, but you're very much – you have a lot of subs on your record, and there's a, there's a variety of submissions. Uh, is there one that sticks out, not necessarily that you've had in your career, uh, but just a technique, a submission technique that you really love to implement the most or that you love to try to pull off, like your favorite sub? Um, I'm trying
3: to think. I like, dude, I, honestly, I like getting an amount, punching people in the face and then making them give me whatever. Like there's something about my submission is a submission of will, I'll say. It's whatever people give me, it's usually like a little cheap head and arm or something. But I think most of the submissions that I get are just people realizing that there's no way out once I get on top of you. And I think um, a lot of times they that reverts to them just tossing their arm up and saying, here, please take this head and arm. <laughs> <laughs> take that but my submission if, if you listen to tim whenever he coaches it's it's pressure it's putting my my chin or my shoulder in your neck you know making you feel like you're moving in cement while you're getting hit with a jackhammer from the top like i think that's what breaks people and then usually what they give me is a is a head and arm or you know something a little cheeky like that but uh, yeah right an arm i guess
0: Oh, dude, that's awesome. Uh, so you've actually gone through the toughest parts. Now the next ones are real easy, dude. Number nine. Oh, there's my dog, Champ, making his presence felt. Um, number, round number nine is the food question, dude. So, uh, AJ, you've already completed camp. You have already made weight. You've already fought. You've already won. You've already got your check. It's time to go out. It's time to celebrate. It's time to get it really into the food that you haven't been able to really indulge in over this entire time. What are you getting and where are you getting it from?
3: um first thing i'm getting is a king cake if it's king cake season i don't know if y'all know what uh what i'm familiar
0: with a king cake with the uh it's got like a like a plastic plastic baby in it is that correct
3: (laughs) that is accurate you don't want that piece because then you have to buy the next one but oh okay it's like a really i don't know it's kind of like a donut cake in some way but that's a bad description it's like cinnamon bread uh real sweet with some icing on top it's absolutely delicious um, so it's that's,
0: multicolored though, isn't it, dude? Like, don't they have a bunch of
3: different colors, like food no, dye like that. that they use? Oh, and green, purple, and yellow all on top. Okay. Okay. already girl colors down here. Um, right. And then, so that's like the dessert, I guess. But, dude, honestly, pizza. I've been craving pizza a lot the last after the last few fights. So I guess that's my go-to right now. Just pizza and
0: I king cake. <laughs> yeah. Pizza and king cake is out. You are the first. So, you know, people said pizza wings is a very popular answer burgers. Uh, some people like to go with sushi, but dude, I've never had king cake as an answer. So that will stick you out uh, amongst all the others for sure. And I, yeah, I'm familiar with, that. I've been to New Orleans once. I'm familiar with king cake and I think I just learned about it. From like watching Food Network, I think, dude. I don't think I've ever had one, so yeah, that might be something next time I'm down there. I'm definitely going to dig into. Uh, lastly, AJ, dude, this is the easiest one of them all. So the Rhino Gang and everybody else listening can follow along with your career. We can keep tabs on you. We can join the Ghost Train, if you will. What are your socials, bro? Let's share your social medias with everybody so we can kind of uh, we can all kind of follow you and get get hype for this next uh, upcoming fight on DWCS
3: word so uh mostly what i'm on is instagram and on that you can find me at aj fletcher mma or there's an underscore in there somewhere i think it's aj underscore fletcher mma Um, on facebook you can find me at aj fletcher mma and then on youtube you can also find me at aj fletcher mma and that is uh those are the three i'll really upload stuff to and that's it come check me out and, and stay tuned
0: Absolutely, dude. We are all super stoked. AJ, can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time today. Folks, we are just about three weeks away from this kid getting in there and showing his thing. I learned a lot by researching you, AJ, watching your fights. I have the fullest confidence that you're going to walk away with not only a contract, but with everyone's kind of, your name kind of buzz on everybody's lips as far as, wow, this kid's really fucking good. And uh, yeah, dude, we really appreciate you taking the time to go 10 rounds with Rhino today. And uh, we absolutely will talk to you after your next fight, my brother.
3: Thanks for having me, man. This is the ghost, A.J. Fletcher, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino.
0: A.J. Fletcher, man, thank you so much for joining us, dude. That was really insightful. I, I really enjoyed getting to know you, dude. I looked up your fights when I was doing research, but obviously I couldn't really get engaged on your personality. But what a fun guy to talk to. Dude, we are so stoked to watch you on August 31st on Dataway Contender Series. I got a very strong feeling we're going to be getting a contract placed into your lap later on that evening. Super stoked for you, homie. Thank you again. I want to give a shout-out to, before we do our outro, everybody who participated in the forum, Marboy Dean Dog, the homie Ty Fly Guy, the Rage the Sweet Potato, our girl APB. Love you. Mwah, uh, to the homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod and his tired voice from having screamed all night at UFC <laughs> in Houston. Uh, to the homie D. Krons, To Gina from the Shots Fired and Wolcast Pods. Thank you so much, my dear. Of course, to Brat Cyrus. Cyrus King, I should say, all the ladies of the PRG, Ms. Fight Diva, Mike Morgan, all the homies of the Rhino Gang GC, gang, gang, our girls, Pokemama, Ashley, the whole underdog MMA fam, everybody out there who is a support of the show, who sends in questions, who listens. Everything you guys do that supports us, I appreciate you so very much. Of course, to the backbone of this operation, the feature player, Andrea, the best engineer in the biz, d Reigns, the Einstein of graphic design, Dave Fretz, with another banger of a fucking poster for us this week with A.J. Fletcher. It is awesome. I can't wait for you guys to check it out. Look him up on Twitter and Instagram for all the best graphic design you're going to find amazing stuff, and my Canadian broski. Everybody this week, let's be kind. I want to give a special shout-out and a happy birthday to my dad. Big wave, Dave! Happy birthday, bye-bye! Of course, to always and forever, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week. Can't